morning, everybody. Good morning. It's great to see you all today, whether you're in the room or online with us as well. It's fab to have you with us. So the question that we were just asking on the screen and in the room here is, um, when is it okay to start watching Christmas films? So we'll start with that first part. Is now okay? When should it have started, those of you that are saying now? Midway through November, did somebody say? Okay. When's like the latest it should start for anybody in the room? Boxing Day. I'm so sorry, Rachel. I'm so sorry. It must be miserable. Before Christmas. Got your treat. Lovely. That wasn't the question, but thank you for letting me know. Um, so, favourite Christmas film? Elf Grinch. Muppet, yeah, makes sense for you, Sean. Go on, Daniel, favourite Christmas film? Nightmare Before Christmas. Christmas Chronicles. So, um, I started watching Christmas films two weeks ago. Um, it was two Saturdays ago, whatever the date was then. Uh, it was The Grinch. Who said The Grinch before? Favourite Christmas film. It's a great film, isn't it, Tom? Uh, the new one, actually, sorry. It was the animated one. Um, so, I start, so, for some of you, um, clearly that isn't good self-control when it comes to waiting for watching Christmas films. I also put my Christmas lights up last Saturday. Is that too early for some people? Like, a lack of self-control there. I could... They're, well, they are, but not as much as they were last year, Sean. Uh, you know. um, so uh, anyway, I can feel that in the room there are some of you that feel like I don't have a lot of self-control when it comes to Christmas, clearly in Leon's case. Um, but uh, for some of you, maybe that was showing a lot of self-control because I suspect some of you went a lot earlier in the year on that. I know somebody who definitely did, um, and we're talking like summertime. But that's okay. We won't judge. Um, today we are talking about self-control. We're in the last part of our Helping Our Community series where we've been looking together at how can we help our community and how Paul in the New Testament in a book called Galatians talks about this thing called the fruit of the Spirit. And so together we've been looking at how we can grow in the fruit of the Spirit and here we are with self-control. Let's read this verse in Galatians 5 again, these two verses. It says, but the Holy Spirit, um, yes, the Holy Spirit controls our lives. Sorry, that's different to what I've got written here. So let's go off this. But when the Holy Spirit controls our lives, he will produce this kind of fruit in us. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So we have got one left to go, which means that we are all doing really good in the rest of them, right? That's how it works, isn't it? Now, we're all growing, aren't we? And what we've been learning about the fruit of the Spirit is it takes time. It isn't this instant impact. And the thing is, even when we maybe do feel like we've got some of those things right, then we get them wrong. And you know what happens? God's grace. And we keep coming back to God's grace. And so here we are today with self-control. Self-control is hard, right? It takes willpower. It takes strength. It takes energy. Here's some areas that I struggle with that I'm prepared to share with you. Ordering a Chinese takeaway. This is where like self-control for me is a real problem. Because like, I'll be honest with you, I have to give myself a pep talk now, not to go over the top with what I order. And actually even more so now, I have Ruth in the background saying to me, are you sure? Are you sure that's not too much? 
And so last night we had a, a family celebration for a birthday and I was responsible for ordering the Chinese. And let me tell you, I had this message in mind and I worked really hard at my self-control. And I actually did stick with it, thankfully. That was a victory for me. Um, another area for me um, that I've noticed recently, does anybody else struggle with how like Netflix or Disney have that little icon in the bottom that appears at the end of an episode that says, next episode starts in? And you're thinking to yourself, no, I need to go to bed now, or I need to do this, or I need to do that. But like Netflix has one at the moment, which is five seconds long. But I'm telling you now, it goes five, four, three, two, one, and it's gone. And then before I know it, I'm on the next episode. Like recently, a few weeks ago, I had COVID and so found myself isolating from the family. And so I just watched The Crown in a few days. Um, but like, it just kept going. Like, I couldn't stop it. It just kept going and going and going. Self-control is hard. It's hard to control and tame ourselves, isn't it? Um, life is full of temptations and full of desires that mean that self-control is needed for all of us, and yet we all struggle, don't we, and do the things that we set out at times not to do. Or at least I think we all struggle um, with self-control, but I, I shouldn't assume, so let's find out how many of us struggle with self-control. On the way in today, the lovely Jane and Andy offered you a chocolate, and they said, right, you've got a choice. You can eat it now, or you can wait right until when you leave at the end and you can have another one. So, I can hear a few rappers rustling. Who's got their chocolate left? Who's still got their chocolate? Well done. Well done. Who hasn't got their chocolate anymore? Who just thought, no, I'm going to go for it? Well, listen, well done. Thank you for trying. Thank you for trying. So, in a way, that kind of shows that maybe we don't all struggle with self-control, so I'm just talking to three people. But I suspect that maybe there were some of you who actually didn't want to put your hand up, and that's okay as well. Here's some areas that we need self-control in. There's our, our passions. So things like our anger or our love, that's an area that we need self-control in. There's our desires. So our desires, things like food, like me with ordering a Chinese takeaway, or there's sex, our sexual desires. And then there's our will. And within our will, we've got the decisions that we make, and we've got the impulsiveness. I wonder whether there's some people in the room or online who have been a bit impulsive this weekend with their money when it comes to Black Friday, and suddenly there's all these deals that look amazing. Um, I'm counting myself there. The Bible talks about the need to have self-control in so many areas. It talks about the need to have self-control with our thoughts, with our feelings, with our speech, with our eating and drinking with our sexual desires, with how we spend our money, with how we spend our time. And it talks about these things, not to make us feel bad about ourselves, but because it knows about our common weaknesses and our need for self-control. The, the, the Greek word that Paul uses here for self-control is a, a word that's pronounced ingratia, or at least I think it is, ingratia. The Greek word ingratia means this. It means to take possession or to have power over or to master something. And so this fruit of the spirit that we're looking at together today is all about having the control to come against our weaknesses and temptations that we all face. It's about being um, master of our struggles with sin 
rather than our sin mastering us. It's about taking possession of our desires and making sure that they reflect Jesus in our lives and his plan for our lives. We all know too well the problems that come when we lack self-control in areas of our lives. I don't need to list them, we're all aware. There's a a verse in the Old Testament of the Bible that I found really helpful when looking at self-control that we're going to look at together. And it comes from a book in the Old Testament called Proverbs, which is a collection of wise sayings. It's a collection of wisdom from a man called King Solomon. And it says this, it says, A person without self-control is like a city with broken down walls. King Solomon was somebody who knew what it was to have a, a, or to live in a well-fortified city, which isn't really something that we understand in our culture today. Like We don't have walls around the cities that we live in, unless I guess you live in Chester. But like here instead, what we do is we actually make bridges in order to get, let people in. So like as Wydnesians, it's all about letting the Ronkornians in and vice versa. It's not really a very good system to keep people out, is it? So we're not necessarily familiar with this, but for Solomon, this was a big thing because Solomon, he lived in a city that had well-fortified city walls. We've actually heard today from Dai about the walls of Jericho. There's so many examples in the Bible of cities that were fortified by walls. What does a city wall do? A city wall protects. A city wall gives a vantage point to look out so that you can see your enemies. And city walls, um, they create this protected community and they give you a sense of something to fight for. But as the proverb says, someone without self-control is like a city with broken down walls. A city that has broken down walls then is defenseless and disgraced to the surrounding cities. A city with broken down walls has a poor defense to the enemy and is exposed to ruin and defeat. So this, I think, is a metaphor from Solomon here for life, because without self-control, we are exposed to attack from our enemy, the enemy of sin and its destructive power in our lives. Our passions, our desires, our will, they don't line up with God and they are easily attacked as we give in to our selfish desires and ambitions. The way that Paul puts it in Galatians when we look at the fruit of the Spirit is just before the fruit of the Spirit, he tells us what happens when we don't have self-control, when we don't live the ways of the Spirit. And Here's what he says, and this is from the message. He says, it is obvious what kind of life develops out of trying to get your own way all the time. Repetitive, loveless, cheap sex. A stinking accumulation of mental and emotional garbage. Frenzied and joyless grabs for happiness. Trinket gods, magic show religion, paranoid loneliness, cutthroat competition, all-consuming yet never satisfied once, a brutal temper, an impotence to love or be loved, divided homes and divided lives, small-minded and lopsided pursuits, 
the vicious habit of depersonalizing everyone into a rival, uncontrolled and uncontrollable addictions, ugly parodies of community. And Paul's words, I could go on. There's a lot to take in there from that passage, but I suspect we can all identify to at least one. Because we all give in to self-control at times, and we all give in to temptations and our desires, and we can make a mess of things in our lives. And as Solomon said, back to that verse, a person without self-control is like a city with broken down walls. A life without self-control is defenseless, it's disgraced, it's exposed, and it's open to ruin and defeat. Amen. I'm done. It would be a pretty hopeless place to leave us in there, wouldn't it? But here's the thing. A person without self-control is defenseless, is disgraced at times, feels exposed and feels open to the enemy. But, but, not without hope. You see, city walls can be rebuilt. And so if you're in a place in your life right now where you struggle with self-control and you've given in to temptation and desires and your will and you've maybe made a mess of something in your life and you feel like you're just struggling at the moment, I need you to hear this today. Those walls of self-control can be rebuilt in your life. You don't need to be in a hopeless place because with Jesus there is hope. There's areas of your life today that maybe those weaknesses are, are dominating you. And you feel so exposed to the enemy's ways and methods and you feel defenseless and you feel like you're being attacked in your life in certain areas, whatever that might be. But I need you to hear this today. Those walls of self-control can be rebuilt. There is hope for a rebuild. And so here's um, three building blocks to rebuilding self-control in your life. The first is this, change your focus change your focus. One of the, the best tactics to grow self-control in our lives is to change our focus away from those things that are tempting us. Which like sounds easy, but we all know it's not easy, is it? Some of you will have managed today not to eat your chocolate. Why? Because you've been distracted when you've come here today. Like you met somebody, you started talking to them, you put it in your pocket and you forgot that you had it. And then you started singing and you forgot that you had it. And then, like, you were cheering about the offering, which I can't remember the last time that happened, but that's brilliant um, that that happened today. But, like, you just got distracted today. Your focus shifted away from that temptation. You might need to do something drastic with the thing that is tempting you. Or you might need to just train your brain to be distracted with something else. And as always, Jesus is our greatest example. In the New Testament, in Matthew chapter 4, we find Jesus in the wilderness, in the desert, and he's tempted by the devil on three separate occasions. What does Jesus do? He changes the focus away from the temptation, and he speaks scripture, he speaks the truth back to Satan. He changes his focus away from the temptation, and he changes his focus towards the truth of who God is and of all that God can do. And so in our lives, we need to change our focus away from the temptation and towards what God can do to help us, to strengthen us, to bring us victory, to build up those walls in our lives of self-control. 
The second thing is to get perspective. To get perspective. And the way that we can get perspective when it comes to self-control is to try and grasp the consequences. What are the negative consequences if I don't do this? What are the positive consequences if I don't do this? Like with so much in life, just taking the time just to pause and to breathe and to slow down can help us massively. It's in our times of struggle and weakness and temptation that if we pause and take a moment to think through the consequences, we can get a grasp on what life could be like if we just demonstrate some self-control. Of course, that doesn't come easy like all of the fruit of the Spirit. It's something that takes time to build up in our lives. You remember maybe a few weeks ago, Dyer did an illustration about some pears that said ripen at home. And like with all of the fruit of the Spirit that we've been looking at, like these need to ripen in our lives. We need to exercise self-control. We need to grasp the consequences, get perspective, and change our focus from the temptation towards the truth of who God is. In its simplest form, it's recognizing that if we wait, we'll get two chocolates. And like two is better than one, isn't it? But in its more complex form, Maybe it's taking time just to realize how our relationship might be in ruins if we give in to that desire. Or our general health and well-being might be better off if we just pause on that extra dish from the Chinese. Or how if we post that hateful comment on Facebook, like maybe that's going to actually ruin and affect some of our relationships. And actually when we see the consequence and we get perspective, self-control kicks in and we just hold back. And then the the third and final thing is this. Ask for help. Ask for help. Because ultimately, life is about learning about our human limitations. We are all weak, and we all have our struggles. We need help. And self-control, as we've said, it, it, it doesn't come easy. And sometimes we can't distract ourselves and Sometimes we can't get our heads around the consequences, or we do, but we don't really value the consequences, but we know that we need help. We're struggling, and we know that we need help. The Holy Spirit is our greatest advocate in growing self-control in our lives. We just need to ask him to help us. How will the Holy Spirit help us? Well, he'll remind us, first of all, that we're not alone. We're not alone because we have the Holy Spirit to help us. The Holy Spirit came to be with us when Jesus went back to heaven and God said, you're not going to be alone. I'm going to send my spirit to be with you. And so today, if you're a follower of Jesus, you can ask for the Holy Spirit to help you, to be with you. He will never leave you. The second thing is that he strengthens us with self-control. Like we can do everything that I've said before to try and build up those walls of self-control, but ultimately the Holy Spirit is the best help that can come and strengthen us with self-control. He directs us to community. It might be that today your area of weakness, your struggle that you just keep giving into, that self-control just keeps abandoning you with, maybe you need to come into community. Maybe you need to get into a connect group or just find some people out that you can just be accountable to, that can help you in that weakness. The Holy Spirit can direct you towards community. The Holy Spirit will show us where to change. 
there might be areas in your life today that you hadn't even realized, you know what, you're struggling with self-controlling. But when you ask the Holy Spirit to help you, he'll show you. He'll show you that area and then he'll help you. Ultimately, the Holy Spirit does something else. And I'm going to ask Sean to join me if that's okay, Sean. Do you mind? Yeah, please. I need you. In every area of my life. Yeah, absolutely. Let's give him a clap. Because what the Holy Spirit does is he points us to Jesus and his grace. And I've brought Sean up today to be an example to us today of what it means to give in to self-control. Because Sean did raise his hand before, didn't you, Sean? I did. Sean, actually, in this box, there were three giant 12s. I don't know if you know that, but Hero have now replaced 12s in this with three big 12s. And so Sean was greedy like me, and he said, I'll have, I'll have the big 12. Um, but he gave in, didn't you, Sean? I did. Um, for the purpose of this illustration, I asked Sean to give in. But that was after I said in our meeting beforehand, is anybody likely to give in? And you did raise your hand, didn't you? Yeah, Sean said he was, he was very tempted. The thing about the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit, though, will point us to Jesus and his grace. And so, Sean, could you hold your hand out? There you go. Thanks, There you go. There you go. You like whispers? Yeah. There you go. Thanks. Sean, you might need your other hand in a moment, but there you go. Can just check the box? No, (laughs) that won't help. There you go. Sean, there you go. Have you got any pockets? Yeah, but you don't want to go there. Just wait, Linda, that's coming. Right, there you go, Sean, there you go. There we go. Sean, there's more. Uh, I'll keep that one for myself. No, Sean, there we go. The Holy Spirit, when we ask him for help, he knows that we've messed up. He knows that we've made mistakes, but you know what he does? He points us to Jesus and he points us to Jesus' grace. And he says, it's okay. Here you go. Here's my grace. Here's my love. Here's my forgiveness. Keep on going. It's okay. I'll strengthen you. I'm going to build up those walls of self-control. Keep on going. Keep on going. And as Linda so helpfully pointed out for us before, here's the thing that we then do, Sean. We don't keep that grace to ourselves. We go out into our community, and here's how we help our community. We share his grace. Just chuck it out, Sean, I'd say. We share his love. We share his forgiveness. Whoa. Here we go. It's raining chocolate. Heads up. I want to have a go, Sean. This looks like fun. There we go. Anyone else? Sorry, Sean, we might need to stop now. Thank you, Sean. Let's hear it for Sean. I've lost half the room at this point, I know. But when we come to the Holy Spirit and we ask him for help, He points us to Jesus. He points us to his love and his grace. And then he says, now go and you be my representative. You be my ambassador. You walk out this grace and this love that you've got and share it with the community around you. That church is how we will help our community. And the thing is, we'll all mess up again. And then we'll ask him for help again. And then he'll lavish us with his love and his grace and his forgiveness again. And then we'll probably mess up again. But you know what he'll do? 
He'll lavish us with his grace and his love and his mercy and his forgiveness. And then we go again. That's what we do. We come to the Holy Spirit and we ask him for help. I wonder if there's areas in your life today where you just need his help. I'll be honest, that's every area of my life. But like, we can ask him for help in our struggles, in our weaknesses, in our temptations. And he will help us. I just want to finish with this um, from a theologian called Clinton Arnold. He says this, he says, The act of the sinful nature, which we talked about before, and we listed out before from Galatians 5, are self-centered, gratifying a, personal, a person's physical and emotional desires. They are destructive to community life. The fruit of the Spirit, on the other hand, is a list of actions that promote community life. Together in this series, we've looked at the fruit of the Spirit. Here's what we know about the fruit of the Spirit. They're available to all if we turn to the Holy Spirit to help us. They take time to grow. They don't just come in an instant. But they're available to us all, if only we'll just step out. When we ask the Holy Spirit to help us, he, he's going to show us areas that might need to change. And way back at the beginning of this series, we together committed to asking the Holy Spirit to help us, to guide us, and to change us. And I have no doubt that over the last seven weeks or so, he has been doing that. And together today, I just think that God wants to just kind of seal something in us. But the way that we're going to do that is we're going to come to him again and we're just going to ask him to help us. We're just going to simply say this prayer together. Holy Spirit, will you help me? And that might be to ask him to help you in this area of self-control. It might be to go way back to the beginning and say, God, I just need your love. I need your joy. I need your, patience, your, your peace, your patience, your kindness, your gentleness, your goodness. Uh, have I missed any? Maybe, I don't know. But we're just going to come to him together now. And we're going to ask him to help us. If this response isn't for you, that's okay. That's absolutely fine. But just together, whether you're in the room or whether you're joining us online. I'm going to ask you, if, if you want the Holy Spirit to help you in your life. Will you just stand with me? And together, let's just ask him to do that. If you've got an eclair right now, if you, if, if you help, like landed an eclair, you're probably still cheering it, but... You can like, ask him in your mind, can't you? But together, let's just say, Holy Spirit, will you help? If you'd like to join and just ask him to help, feel free just to do something. Respond in some way. If you can't stand, that's okay. Just where you're sitting, that's fine. The Holy Spirit doesn't mind whether we're standing, sitting, lying down, wherever we are. He just wants to help us. And just in this moment, just begin to ask him to help. Holy Spirit, will you help us? We need you. We need you. Would you grow in us the fruit of your spirit? That in turn we would help our community. Show us areas that need to change, that need to grow. That we need to ask your forgiveness for. Thank you today that you have given us grace upon grace upon grace. Your mercy today is new in our lives. Holy Spirit, would you come right now?
just feel that the Holy Spirit wants to say to somebody today that you have arrived in this place feeling defeated and broken in the area of just specifically desires. And as much as the walls have fallen down, you've not actually been able to see a way out because you're under the walls. You're restricted. But the Holy Spirit wants you to know today that he has heard your cry for help. He loves you deeply. And today, you can walk out of this place feeling strengthened, walking in his grace and his love and his forgiveness today. And he wants you to know that today. You are forgiven. And he loves you. And by his spirit, he will walk with you and help you. Thank you, Jesus.